much bro i really appreciate that introduction yeah as he mentioned i uh, i did drink about one and a half liters of coke but it wasn't when i was younger it was up until about 24 years old um so it's only six years back and then i my wife is a dietitian <laughs> my life changed completely absolutely now i'm eating healthy things that's amazing but anyway we are concluding uh, with the story of Saul and Paul this morning and his miraculous encounter with God. And it's my privilege to be sharing on his story. And you'll see, I'll, I'll speak a lot about Saul slash Paul, because as, as you know, God changed his name a little bit later along the line. But before we jump in, I just want to give us a few facts just about Saul himself, because there's a reason he, he acted the way he acted. There's a reason why he was so radical and liberal in his thinking, because there was a few things that happened while he was growing up. One of those things was he was born and raised in Tarsus, and which is known as modern-day Turkey. So if you want to know where Tarsus is, it's modern-day Turkey. Saul's family valued education a lot, and therefore Saul, only at the age of 14 years old, studied at the University of Tarsus under one of the best Pharisee teachers called Gamaliel, which, is also, which was also a family friend. So he had an easier entry because there was only 10 students chosen to, to study under Gamaliel. So it's quite an interesting story for himself, but... The University of Tarsus was known all around the world for being liberal in their th- theology, and therefore Paul embraced this liber- liberalism. I struggled with this word this morning as well. Liberalism. There we go. Embraced this li- liberalism. Oh, there we go. Yes, Catholicism and a lot of all things. All right. Paul later served in the Sanhedrin, where only also 10 people were chosen yearly to enforce Judaic law uh, under the Jewish cities and Jewish areas in the world. Now, I'm starting a bit upside down this morning by mentioning just Paul's afflictions and persecutions as an apostle of Christ even after the Damascus Road encounter. And there's a reason I'm doing it, you'll, you'll understand a little bit later. But as you know, Saul was persecuted quite heavily. He actually went so far as to listing them in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 24 to 27 as he was speaking to the church of Corinthians. And he said these these things. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. And the reason he's saying obviously less one is that under Judaic law you can only lash someone 39 times or not more than 39 times because it was part of their law. It was not permitted to do it more than 39 times. That's where he says 40 lashes less one. He goes further and he says three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers. Danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, 
often without food in cold and exposure. Just think about this. And even after all of these persecutions that he faced, he called it mere afflictions. He called it minor afflictions. It was things that he didn't even esteem to be that important. It wasn't even that bad for him in his life. Now, I don't know if you know how, a, how stoning worked in that time. It's not stoning and someone necessarily just stands there and they throw rocks at him. No, no. Most of the time they will throw them in the pit. And in the pit they will, they will throw rocks down into the pit. And then the last rock would be the biggest rock they can find to fill the hole. And they will push it into the hole. And he survived that. Now I don't know about you, but I consider it suffering when I haven't ate or drank something in four hours. <laughs> or when I'm sitting in traffic once in two months. Think about Paul's life. Think about the persecutions that he went through. Think about the, th- the hardships and the things that he faced on a day-to-day basis. Yet, he never wavered from his faith. He had an unwavering commitment to serve Jesus with his entire life. And then I think about my own life sometimes. And how I'm so sincere maybe, but sincerely wrong. This is my first point, sincere but sincerely wrong. And we read the words and we're going to spend time dissecting Acts 9 verse 1 to 8. And it says the words, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, if they, if they speak about the way, they speak about the Christian community that called themselves the way. We'll get back to it. It says, Men or women, he might bring them bound to, to, to Jerusalem. Now as he went in his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Isn't it amazing that just in that section, Jesus doesn't even go ahead by explaining who he is further than saying, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. He doesn't need to explain. He doesn't need to explain. Everyone knew who Jesus was in that time. The word spread. This was during the time where the, the, the name of Jesus was known all around the world at that time. And Jesus is just saying, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And then he continues to tell him, this is what you are to do. Rise and enter the city and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who are traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. If you... This morning, as I was praying, God gave me a bit of a revelation just in, just in the scripture. Where, isn't it interesting that Paul was on his way to persecute the way, the people, the way, they called the way in Damascus. And yet on the way, uh, on the Damascus road, he had an encounter with the truth. And what happened after that is that his life resembled one of sacrifice and submission to God talking about an encounter with Jesus. Isn't it amazing that if you go back to just John 14 verse 6, Jesus said the words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. 
Paul experienced all of that. He was on his way to persecute the way. He had an encounter with the truth. And his life after that resembled one of sacrifice and submission to God. A full encounter with Jesus himself. Now, as I was growing up, just an amazing story. Um, one of my uncles, he was my, my, my father basically went out of the Three Sisters Church quite early in my life. I, I was literally born um, and he left the Three Sisters Church. He went to a, let's say, a charismatic church, if you will. And um, as I was growing up, my uncle didn't like that much. So I was questioned quite a bit when I was younger. And he always asked me certain questions. And it, I, I think he was probably doing it to aggravate me or to provoke me uh, in a way. But one of the questions that he asked me the one day was that, yeah, but are you in a three sisters church? Obviously he knew I wasn't. But he asked me this, 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 this question, are you in a three sisters church? And I said to him, Remember, I'm, 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 I'm very sincere in, the, in my thinking at the moment that I didn't even know what a three-sister church is uh, at that time. And I said, to him, I said to my uncle that, no, I'm in Jesus' church. Because I read the words in Scripture saying that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't know what church you're talking about. I just know that Jesus is the head of the church. Here's the funny thing. I ended up leading that uncle to the Lord at my aunt's funeral. And I thought about the words just being sincere, but sincerely wrong. So many times in our lives, we are sincere in our thinking, we are sincere in our beliefs, we are sincere in so many areas, but sometimes we are sincerely wrong. You might think that you are meaning good in certain areas, but the reality is sometimes we need to ask the, ask the Lord, Lord, I want to just do some introspection in my life. The words that David said so many times, said, Lord, this is what I believe, but come and, come and search my heart. Come and search my heart. If there's any iniquities, if there's any faults, I want to submit to you. I want to follow the evidence wherever it leads. I want to follow my biased, biased thinking, my biased worldview. My, no, no, I want to follow the evidence wherever it leads. And if the evidence leads me to Christ, then that's where I want to be. There was a story um, told by one of the pastors at my, at my previous, previous church. <laughs> um, he told the story where they went on a, on a mission to, to China. And they, as they were just missioning around China, whatever, they, they got to this one Buddhist temple. And this one small kid, literally six years old, she came to him up. Uh, she came up to him and running. Oh well. Okay. All right. Can I just ask you? To, this thing is um, spitting on me. Um, as the, as they were at the at the Buddhist temple, this six year old kid ran to ran to him and 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 she asked him, "Sir, what do you believe?" And before he can even answer. The question, she continued to, to tell him, this is what I believe. And she had a Buddhist, uh, a Buddha, a little Buddha, uh, maniki, what do you call it? Like a, a statue, a little Buddha yeah, statue in her hands. And, and she was asking like, sir, what do you believe? And, and he was like, uh, you know, he wanted to answer. And she, she, she literally interjected. And she said, this is, this is what I believe. I believe in Buddha. I can see him. I can feel him. And he's always with me. And in that moment, 
he was faced with a thing, and he said, literally, he prayed so hard in that moment, Holy Spirit, please bail me out. I don't know what to tell this lady, that, you know, the small kid. I don't know what to tell her, because the reality that I'm facing is that you are an invisible God. How do I explain to her that what I believe is a God that is far away in her mind, she can't see Him, she can't feel Him, and she isn't necessarily always with her in a physical thing. What does he say? And he said, in that moment, the Holy Spirit said to him, give her a hug and tell tell her that this is the love I experience every single day of my life, right here in my heart. And at that very moment at this Buddhist temple, 300 kids gave their heart to Christ. Because the reality was that the materialistic, the things that I can feel, the things that I can see, the things that's always with me, didn't mean much. The love that she experienced meant everything. Absolutely everything. And that's the reality. Sometimes super sincere, but sincerely wrong. And God wants to encounter all of us with that same obedience, that same encounter. Just every day of our lives, a revelation that God wants to give us We just need to open our hearts and our eyes and say, Lord, I want to see you. Just like the song that we sang this morning, I want to see you. Take me to my my second point is obedience through faith. Now we read in Acts 9 verse 10 to 18, if you follow with me. It says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Isn't it amazing that obedience through faith, we think about the story and we read that Saul had this moment where he was blind for three days and being led into Damascus and have, had to pray. He literally says he was praying. He is praying while, this, while not having sight whatsoever. He is praying. But then, even Ananias had a revelation. Even Ananias had an encounter with God in that moment. Asking him to be obedient, even if he did not understand everything. Just asking for obedience. Lord, he says, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go. It's this concept that both of these young men were called to something higher than themselves. Called to be obedient through faith, even not knowing what the outcome will be. 
You can imagine Ananias hearing all these words and having a fear in his heart that he needs to go and pray for this man. But this exact man was persecuting Christians all around. He was fearing for his life. There was a lot of, even the disciples fled at a certain stage because of knowing the, 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 that what Saul did and, and, and the reputation that he's built in such a short time. But Lord said, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. Isn't it amazing that sometimes we don't understand why, people, why God uses some people. Sometimes he uses the people that went through quite a lot in their lives. Sometimes it's the ones, the best testimonies comes from the guys that have experienced the most hardships and trouble in their lives. God does not use the ordinary. He uses people that is called for his work. People that is called by his name, chosen to be instruments in his hands. And sometimes for all of us as Christians, we are chosen instruments. There's no one left out. If you're sitting in this room, you're a chosen instrument. To share the gospel, to share the truth of the gospel to a lost world out there. We cannot miss these things. And then it just says the words, you may regain sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it literally says, and immediately something like scales from, fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was, was baptized. Isn't it amazing just his obedience? Immediately he was baptized. He, he was obedient in the call that God gave him. And for us as the redeemed, the response of the redeemed should always be obedience. Your will, God, not mine. We don't need to understand anything or everything in order to obey Jesus. When God speaks, we listen. We move. We go. I want to tell you a story. There was another mission trip to Botswana. And Wimkus was one of the, one of the leaders at my, at, at my previous church. And he had, a, he had this encounter where he went to Botswana and quite the rural areas of Botswana where for kilos and kilos you drive and there's nothing. It's just bush all around you. And as he was driving the one day, he, he, he wanted to move and he took, he took his bus and they were on their way to a certain area in Botswana where he wanted to go minister. And there was this, there was this black lady sitting on the side of the road and she was literally just sitting and as he was driving, obviously it's in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing around, and she's sitting at the side of the road. As he drove past her, obviously he stopped, and he was like, he wants to understand why she's sitting here, what is the reason for this? And he could understand uh, quite a bit of uh, Setswana, I think that's what they speak in Botswana, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he could understand a bit of, uh, of Setswana. And he asked her, why are you sitting here? And her first question to him was, what is God's name? That was her question. What is God's name? And he said, Jesus. And she took her things and she walked. And he's like, whoa, 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 please, please, please explain to me. Why did, why did you just stop me and ask me a question? What is God's name? Please tell me a bit more. Why did you ask me this? Because you're sitting in the middle of nowhere. I don't understand why you're asking me this question. And she said the words that I was, I've been following this God my entire life. It started as a kid. I was very young. And my father, I was the one that had to go out in the fields and check where the, where the, where the deer was or the bucks were, what were in the time. And then if I found them, I have to go back and report to them. Say, this is where they are. So if you want to go hunt, this is where you would find them. And she said as she was looking for for just the animals in general, 
She would ask, please, Lord, help me. I don't know if you're out there. Please speak to me. If there's someone out there, if there's something out there, please speak to me. Reveal to me where these animals are. And every time she said it got easier and easier and easier because the Holy Spirit would just lead her to them, wherever they were. And such an amazing story that she was at that time, she was about 80 years old. And she's been serving the Lord her entire life but never knew his name. She didn't have access to a Bible whatsoever. And, she, and, and in a dream or in a vision, now remember the area that she was staying in, she's never seen a white person in her entire life before. And in this vision, she gets, she gets this vision that this guy with a bald head is going to come past with a bus, just sit on the side of the road, he will pass here, you can ask him who's God, he will give you his name. And he said, Uncus said the words that this made the biggest difference in his entire life. That someone served the Lord his entire, their entire life, not knowing his name, not having access to a Bible, not having access to church, not having access to the gospel, not having access to all of these things, but God revealed himself to a person. Why? Because she was obedient through faith. She was just listening to the words. She was looking at nature all around and said, there has to be a higher being in this world. And then you think about the Europeans and you think about the people of other nations that does not acknowledge God whatsoever and they think by, you think by yourself, how is that possible? With all the knowledge that we have today, with all of the evidence that is available to us today, it's impossible not to believe. This lady believed without seeing, without reading, without knowing the name, but she was obedient through faith. And sometimes I question even myself in that. Knowing the truth, knowing what is right, and still I choose to do wrong. She was obedient. What an incredible story of obedience through faith and her encounter with God. And this takes me to my next point. It says... The truth and nothing but the truth. Acts 9 verse 19 to 22. It says, In taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name, upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. There was not a time he went through where he waited. To whatever it says immediately. He went and he shared the gospel. Immediately he was so convicted about the truth of Jesus that he couldn't keep it for himself anymore. He needed to share it. He needed people to hear the name of Jesus. You see, the reality was Paul was seeking the truth and nothing but the truth. His afflictions and persecutions didn't take him away from Jesus, but rather closer and closer. His unwavering commitment to serving Jesus was incredibly inspiring to all around because people saw that. There's a lot of the disciples that we can reason about if you want to do an apologetic study. We can, st- we can literally 
question a lot of the disciples, we can question their motives, we can question all of the things. One of the things that even Muslims can't question is the conversion of Paul. The radical conversion of Paul. He's on his way to persecute Christians. And he had an encounter with Jesus. And there's a 180 degree turnaround of where his life went. Isn't it incredible? That sometimes I pray that some of us would have an encounter like that. That some of us would have an encounter with a living God knowing that you cannot keep the gospel for yourself. You cannot be a mediocre Christian anymore. We need to share the word of God. We need to share. Because if you yes, I want to go back, just a little bit back, to the persecutions that he faced. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. A man that had so many persecutions, yet he called them minor afflictions. And I think about my own comfort in my own life. I think about the things that I feel so important for myself. And then I'm reminded about what Paul went through and still served Jesus to the very end. Never gave up. And I want to end with this quote. I want to ask um, David if he can come up, please. Hear this quote. It says, God will put up with a great many things in the human heart. But there's one thing that he will not put up with in it, and that's a second place. He who offers God a second place offers him no place at all. I'm going to read it again. God will put up with a great many things in the human heart, but there's one thing that he will not put up with in it, and that's a second place. He who offers God a second place offers him no place at all. For us, if we, maybe you're sitting here today and I was speaking to you. Maybe you've made God, even sincerely, second place in your life. Maybe everything else started being more important to you than your relationship with God or just having an encounter with the truth on a day-to-day basis. Maybe you are struggling with certain religious worldviews. Not understanding everything yet. Or a religious mindset in certain areas this morning and need Jesus to reveal himself to you. Maybe you just need a fresh revelation of who he is. Maybe a Damascus Road moment. Or maybe you were just sincere in some of your beliefs, but you are sincerely wrong in certain areas. And you need prayer. As we bow our heads, I just want give to an, give an opportunity for you to respond to the ministry moment just by putting up your hands. Maybe you need a fresh revelation. Maybe you have put him in second place, even if it was sincere. If I'm speaking to you this morning, would you mind just having the boldness to put up your hand? I see those hands. I see those hands.
I want you to, as you sit there, just repent in your heart. Say, Lord, I am so sorry for giving you a second place in my life. This morning, I just want to repent. Lord, and I want to have a fresh encounter with you this morning. Lord, I want to live the truth and nothing but the truth. Lord, I want want you to reveal yourself to me this morning. May that be your prayer this morning. Lord, then this morning I pray, help us to be sensitive to your voice. Help us to be sensitive to whenever you speak, we will move. Lord, and if there's areas in our lives where we were sincere but sincerely wrong, help us to seek the truth with everything inside of us. Lord, help us to live obedience through faith. We don't want to miss you in moments like this, Lord. We want the fullness of you, even if we don't understand it well enough yet. Lord, and lastly, I pray that the truth would be would be everything we seek in our lives. The only thing we seek in our lives. We want the truth and nothing but the truth, even if it hurts. Even if it even if the afflictions that we talk about is ones we experience, Lord. We want the truth. Nothing but the truth. Lord, we want no barriers between yourself and us. We want a fresh revelation of who you are every single day of our lives, Lord, so that we cannot but share it with the lost world around us. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will prompt us whenever we have opportunities to speak about your gospel to people, to lost people around us. Make us so sensitive to your words. Lord, I pray that you would lead us and guide us every day so that in those encounters with you, Lord, that we would just enjoy your presence, enjoy spending time with you, enjoy having a relationship with you, and that it may impact people all around us by just seeing it. Lord, that we would walk past people and they would see something in us and they would long for it. They would long for you, Lord. I pray this in the name of Jesus alone. Amen.